tonight we reflect on and contemplate the death of Jesus, um, his death on a cross. And we've heard it through some Old Testament prophets like Isaiah. We've sung it through some of the songs. We heard it uh, through the book of Hebrews as the girls read it for us. And then we also get to hear this beautiful artistic piece of, um, of what the struggle often of humanity is like and um, the battle that I think sometimes we feel that we're in. Have you guys ever had a recurring dream where someone's chasing you, but you can't, like, you, you just know you're not going to win? Have you ever had that? Have you ever had recurring dreams like that where you know you're losing, where maybe uh, you're just not totally prepared for that presentation? Or, um, I don't know, I have those things where you're just like slow motion and you're trying so hard like, to just like, keep going and you know the person behind you is going to... Am I the only one? Am I the only straight? Like, am I? Okay, okay, thank you. I thought I was the only one here. But th- that, those kind of dreams, you always feel like you're losing. You never feel like you're winning. You always feel like you're just about to lose, like you're in this battle that you can't win. And that's often what parts of life feel like when we think about um, the, 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 the sin that the scripture talks about, the brokenness that humanity deals with, and whether it's inside of you or outside of you in culture, whether it's trying to be resilient in a culture that presses you down, or it's the brokenness inside of you that you struggle to overcome, often there's this sense that you're in a, a battle, And when I think about Good Friday, there's a line that jumped out at me earlier this summer um, from another another speaker, and uh, he said these words, and and when I heard them in the summer, they have just rung in my head until Good Friday, like literally for the last eight or nine months. And it was this phrase, it was this, this phrase is that we often feel like we're in a battle with sin that we could never win. But once we come to Jesus and once we discover what Jesus has done on the cross for ourselves and for humanity, we all of a sudden realize that we're in a battle that we can't lose. There's a big difference when you feel like you're in a battle that you can't win and then when you understand that because of Christ, you're actually in a battle that you can't lose. As we think about this evening and the death of Christ, there's a scene in the Gospels that just precedes Jesus' death. It's found in Luke's gospel, um, chapter 22. And I love this scene, and maybe it's familiar to some of you, and because you've seen this scene uh, on pictures talking about Easter, and it's a scene of three crosses. Because Jesus wasn't the only one hung on the cross that day. There was two other people beside him. And this little scene just before uh, Jesus' death, we, we understand a little bit more of what's going on here. Jesus has two criminals side by side. And uh, Luke tells us that uh, these two criminals were also being crucified that day. And uh, so these criminals are eyewitnesses to what Jesus is going through, to, to what the crowds are, are saying about Jesus, to what the Roman soldiers are doing to Jesus. They see everything. They hear everything. In fact, I sometimes try and imagine what the conversation was like among the three of them up there, probably uh, with all of their strength choosing their words to try and speak to each other because they hardly had strength left. But we get a short window into that moment. They have a conversation. And these two criminals on the cross, um, a little bit different than Jesus. 
They're, they have been accused, they've been convicted, they've been tried, and now they're waiting for execution, just like Jesus. But the difference is, and one of them catches it, that Jesus is not there for justified reasons. Now, I don't believe in crucifixion uh, or killing people or going towards execution, but in that time, these, at least one of them figured out, we're here because we've done something, and he's here because he didn't. There's something different about him. These two people on the cross, uh, I have a sense that they felt like they were in a losing battle. I mean, wouldn't you? If, if it was you in that moment, if you know that you've done something that you've been charged with, and you've been accused and convicted, you're being tried, and now you are literally, I mean, the next step is death. That's a losing battle. You, there's, there's nothing really you can do in that moment and nothing really that they could do in that moment. There was nothing else for them to live for, nothing else for them to hope for, nothing else for them to look forward to except dying and walking to their execution. The two criminals were, slight, were different. The first one was cynical. In verse 39 of that chapter, um, he turns to Jesus and says, aren't you the Messiah? Kind of asking uh, rhetorically and, uh, and almost poking at Jesus. Aren't you the Messiah? Aren't you the one that, that you know, you say that, that, that God's sent for the Jews and for the world? And then he, he pushes Jesus a little further. He says, if you really are the Messiah, well, why don't you save yourself? And why don't you save us? Don't you have the power to do that? And the other criminal turns and rebukes that other, rebukes the one who just spoke and says, don't you realize, like, we're here for a reason. And he's here unjustly. He hasn't done anything wrong. And he's on this cross just like you and I are. And the second criminal caught something about Jesus that gave him a glimmer, a glimmer of hope. He recognized in that moment who Jesus was and why Jesus was there and what the people were saying about him. And he recognized that he was maybe up there for the right reasons, but Jesus wasn't. And he was dying for another reason. He was dying for the sins and brokenness of the world around him. And I think he recognized what later the Roman centurion, later on Luke tells us, that this Roman centurion, when, they, when he watched Jesus die, he stopped and said, this was a righteous man. This, was, this is who he, he really was who he said he was. And I think this one criminal on that side recognized that about Jesus. I think he maybe thought, maybe my battle doesn't have to be a losing one. Maybe there's a little bit of hope still left with this guy beside me on the cross. And there's a, there's a request that this criminal makes. And he asks Jesus, he says, Jesus, will you remember me in paradise in other words, when, when this is over, he's hoping, and I think a lot of people like hope for something like this. He's hoping, hey, when this is over and I'm dead, um, will you remember me? If there's an afterlife, you know, people think about that kind of stuff on their deathbed. And this request, Jesus, will you remember me in paradise? In other words, can you give me hope beyond this moment? Can you give me hope beyond this life? Can you give me hope beyond this death sentence? Can you give me hope beyond this, the reason that I'm here? And I think in that moment, the criminal recognized not just that he was being executed, but that he was really lost. And not just because of what he specifically did, but 
because of the brokenness in his heart and in humanity's heart. Because like every human we lock eyes with, I believe all of us struggle with this sense of a battle that we can't win. A battle that we feel like we're losing and it's called sin and brokenness. And this criminal on Jesus' side asks Jesus, Jesus, will you remember me? Now, I want you to just get some context here. His request comes in between two moments. Two phrases that Jesus says. It comes in between a prayer and it comes in between a promise. While they're hoisted on the cross and um, the the religious leaders uh, and the political leaders are all kind of taunting Jesus, Jesus looks out to these people that are against him and he says a prayer. And the prayer is this. He says, Father, will you forgive them? Because they don't know what they're doing. That was Jesus' prayer in that moment. Have you ever felt like you could be a better person when people are against you? And then you're like, oh, I could have did that better. I can't imagine what Jesus was going through in that moment and yet to turn and pray for these people who have put him on the cross, who are against him, who want him dead. And he prays, he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. In this very moment when anybody would be furious and um, feeling completely lost, Jesus hands out mercy for his enemies. Jesus hands out mercy for his crucifiers. Jesus recognizes their loss, that they're in a losing battle with their own sin and their own struggles and their own blindness and even their own reasons that they wanted him up there. And Jesus prays, and in his prayer he recognizes they don't know what they're doing. They're blind and lost. And he says, Father, will you forgive them? And I got the sense that while these criminals were there, this one, both of them hear Jesus' prayer. Both of them hear what they say. And I bet you they're thinking, I can't believe he just said that. (laughs) I can't believe he just prayed that. And this one criminal who is sympathetic towards Jesus, listening to him, I have a sense that after that prayer, he's thinking, I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people he's praying for. I know my life isn't perfect. I know my life has been filled with brokenness. I know I've made mistakes. I know I haven't honored God and people all the time. And I know I haven't made the best decisions. And he's thinking, and he's thinking, I'm one of those people that I really don't know what I'm doing. And Jesus prayed for him, and he recognized that. I'm lost, and he's pouring mercy on me. But that was the one bookend of of what happens Right? Here's this criminal. He says this request to Jesus. The first part that he hears is the prayer. But after he asks Jesus for mercy and for, for him to be in paradise with him, what does Jesus say? Jesus gives him a promise. He says, you will be with me in paradise. Here's this criminal's request in between a prayer and a promise. And this promise to him is incredible. You will be with me in paradise. In other words, you will not lose this battle. You've reached out to me. You've embraced me. You've put your faith in me. You've put your trust in me. And in this moment, your battle, the outcome of your battle has shifted. It's shifted from feeling like you're in a battle that you could never win. And now Jesus is saying, you're in a battle you could never lose. You will be with me in paradise. In other words, it doesn't stop here. And this is the beauty of Jesus, because only Jesus can promise that. 
Only Jesus, God's very own son, God's Messiah, the purpose of God fulfilled in Christ, as he's hoisted on that cross, inaugurating God's kingdom, Jesus can share these words with this man. Because Jesus is conquering sin and death as he is about to die. And he can offer mercy. And he can offer ultimate forgiveness. And he's going to be destroyed or, or killed under the weight and burden of that. And he brings it down with him in his death. And he changed, in that moment, I love this, Jesus changes the outcome for anybody who puts their trust in him. Jesus changes the outcome of the battles that we feel like we could never win. The battles of our brokenness, the battles of our sin, the battles of our failure, the battles of the world around us, even when it's not our choices or not our fault or not our doing. Jesus changed the outcome for anyone, even like that criminal. And he tipped the outcome towards victory. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but I have felt so many times in my life that I'm in, a, I'm in battles I can't win. And then because of Christ's victory, because of what he accomplished on this day and then proved so well in the resurrection, there's a shift towards that outcome because as Paul the Apostle says, he says, no longer I who lives, but it's Christ Jesus who lives in me. Paul recognized that. The outcome gets changed. And because of the cross, I love this, anybody can overcome the battle. So I don't know where, where you're at tonight or what you're thinking about Good Friday. That's why Good Friday is so good. That's why Good Friday is so amazing because Jesus' victory tipped the outcome into a battle that we cannot lose when we put our trust in him, when we put our faith in him, when our lives are surrendered to him because what he accomplished on the cross completely changed the battle, completely changed the game. I'm going to ask the band to come up as we move into a time of communion tonight. But I want us to, to pause and think, even as we're reflecting over communion, as we're reflecting uh, in these last few moments of worship tonight, what are those battles that you feel like you could never win? What are those failures that you feel you could never overcome? What are those sin, the sin or brokenness that you feel you could never get past. Or maybe it's even the resilience in our culture that sometimes just squishes us into its mold. And we say, I just can't, I can't, I can't fight the culture anymore. I feel like I just got to give in. And it's sad to see at times that around us, but I want us to think about that tonight. And, and here's the beautiful piece here. Each of us are in between that prayer and promise. Each of us have the opportunity. We've heard Jesus' words. Father, forgive them. His, his mercy poured out for us. And, and as we respond to him, like this criminal did on Jesus' side, as we respond to him, Jesus' words come out towards us like a promise. And that promise is, you will be with me. You will be with me. I will be with you. But, but here's, here's, here's the thing. We all have this opportunity to shift the outcome when we put our trust in Christ. All of us do. Um, but there's two differences between the two people on Jesus' side, right? One of them was cynical. One of them looked at Jesus and said, ah, you know what? Um, I, don't, I don't want what you have. I don't want who you are. And uh, I'm okay. I'm just going to walk through this moment without you. 
And, but the one on the other side turned to Christ and recognized the hope Jesus was offering. The, the interesting thing is Jesus didn't belittle the, the, the criminal who didn't do anything. He didn't belittle him. He didn't mock him. He didn't, he didn't even respond to him. He, just, he, he, he understood where he was and he, he just let him stay free in his choice. He responded to the one who responded to him. It was offered to both of them. It's open to everybody. And Max Lucado says this. He says, sometimes God sends nothing but silence to honor us with the freedom to choose. Sometimes God sends nothing but silence to honor us with the freedom to choose. Guys, you can maybe start into this other song. And um, that was the outcome for this person on one of Jesus' sides. He didn't say anything. And Jesus said, that's okay. I will respect your decision. He respects our decision. He's not a God who forces us, coerces us, manipulates us. He just, he waits for our response to him. And many of you here tonight, you're here because you already know that, right? You're here because you've experienced the beauty and joy of discovering who Jesus is. You're here because you want to celebrate and, and reflect on and, and worship worship the one who has offered you life and life to the fullest that's why many of us are here tonight we've responded and we've heard Jesus' promise to us we understand his prayer for us and we've responded but maybe some of us are here just searching just exploring and um, here's my invitation to you you need to respond to Jesus you need to respond to Jesus he will respect your choice he will respect your freedom but he's always open to hear your response to him. And when you do, this is the beauty, when you do, the outcome of the battle gets shifted. The outcome of the battle gets shifted. It's no longer a battle that you could never win. It turns into a battle that you could never lose because now you're in Christ and he's already defeated everything that is there to defeat you. He's defeated the sin and the brokenness and perhaps this Easter is your opportunity to do that. And that's why this Friday is a good Friday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to, to stand as we move into um, this, this last little leg of our gathering. And um, we're going we're gonna to take communion tonight. Um, we're going to do it a little bit differently than we, we do it on Sundays because we're seated a little differently. So we have... Um, four tables, two on either side and two in the back. And I believe one of them has uh, gluten-free elements. And uh, as the team leads us into this next song and into this moment of worship, I'm going to invite you to go and take um, these elements. Now, we're going to give you time, maybe five or, or ten minutes here, to, as we sing and as we worship, to just go and take these, communi- these elements at your own pace And if you feel like you want to come back and sit down in your seat and um, just be quiet and take the bread and the wine on your own, you can. If you feel like doing it with a friend or someone who's near you, um, you can do that as well. Um, If if you feel like you want to do it as a family, uh, you can as well. If you want to maybe break bread with more than one person, you can do that as well. We just want to have a sense of open community tonight. But here's the deal. As we move into this moment, what we're celebrating here is that Jesus has the victory. That Jesus has defeated death. 
that Jesus died that day so we can be free. So our battle with sin and brokenness can be tipped towards victory. And I want you to reflect on that as you break bread. Just like Jesus broke bread with his disciples and he said, this is my body broken for you. And just like he poured the wine and he said, this is my blood being poured out for you. So as we take these elements to just be reminded of what Jesus did for you, for me, for the world around us. Now, if you're one little last instruction, if you're here tonight and you don't consider yourself a follower of Christ, um, I would I would encourage you just in this moment to listen to the music, to reflect on the words. I really believe that if you're going to take these elements, uh, you would take them in a way where where you've committed your life to be following Jesus, to growing in Christ. And maybe tonight you've made that decision, and and this is maybe a first step, and we would want to honor that. But if you're just not there yet, then that's okay. We're a community where we, we want to journey with people regardless of where they are in their spiritual journey. So you can just pause and reflect and, and listen as the music plays uh, as we walk through that. Let's pause and, and I just want to pray and then we're going to um, go and get these elements together. Father, oh God, uh, right now as we break bread together and drink this wine in a few moments, God, Lord, we invite you to remind us of what you accomplished on the cross through your son, Jesus. God, may we remember tonight in a powerful way what you have accomplished for the world, what you have accomplished for us. May we be reminded that in Christ's death, there was actually victory. That in Christ's death, He conquered sin and brokenness. And that regardless if, regardless of what we see our lives as God, Lord, may we know, even as we embrace these elements or think about the cross tonight, Lord, that you have tipped the scales through the cross. You have tipped the outcome of the battle through the cross. We say thank you for that, Lord. Amen.